60 hours in emergency. All I wanted was basic care, not preferential, basic. A former nurse speaks out about her mother's ordeal at Surrey Memorial. Plus, outrage over a teen girl's death. It really sickens me to see this happening to anyone, anywhere in Canada. The suspicious circumstances and why RCMP are apologizing. And playing catch up on AI. It's going to be profound, it's going to be uh, dramatic. The rise of artificial intelligence and why critics say BC is behind the eight ball. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Chris is off tonight. We have been reporting this week on conditions at Surrey Memorial's emergency department. One doctor even telling us he wouldn't send his own family there. Well, tonight we are hearing from an elderly patient who just went through her own harrowing ordeal at the hospital. Catherine Urquhart has her story. 89-year-old Veronica Hunter is now recovering at home after spending 10 days in and out of Surrey Memorial Hospital including 60 hours in emergency. It was horrible, horrible. I never had that before and I, I hate to complain, but anyway. Hunter was suffering from extreme diarrhea and was eventually diagnosed with salmonella poisoning. I wasn't offered a towel, a washcloth, pads, nothing. I was cleaning, my mother and I were cleaning her in the public washroom. Sherry Hunter-Eiserman, a retired nurse, says she spent 14 to 16 hours a day at the hospital to ensure her mother was cared for and describes conditions at Surrey Memorial as horrific. Absolutely deplorable. It got to the point on Saturday night when I came home, I was scared for my mother. Their experience follows alarming allegations about Surrey Memorial being understaffed and employees muzzled about discussing the problem. We are treating most of our the sick patient in the emergency, in hallways, in places that probably shouldn't have a patient there. We are still running the second largest and busiest emergency departments. I do think, yes, Absolutely, we're challenging all of the areas that we've talked about. Sherry says that she's happy to have her mother home, but the experience has taken a toll. She's extremely weak. Um, this was a lady that was totally independent, did her own care, cooked, washed the floors on her hands and knees. Both say they hope they'll never need to attend Surrey Memorial in the future. Please, I don't want to go back. I got to stay home. God help you if you go to Surrey Hospital and you don't have an advocate or a family member. It's a horror show. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. Calls for justice and healing today on Vancouver Island after the death of 15-year-old Carson Seaweed found under suspicious circumstances earlier this month. Members of the Cowichan tribes and others from the community rallied outside the RCMP detachment. And as Kylie Stanton reports, they were joined by RCMP officers who apologized for how the case has been handled so far. Amber Manthorn, Lisa Marie Young. Flipping through the photos of young women who've gone missing or died under mysterious circumstances, knowing another name is now being added to the list. It is heartbreaking. No poster that we put up gets easier. And so the community has decided 
it's time to get louder. It's triggering for all. When is it going to stop? When is it going to stop? 15-year-old Carson McKenzie Seaweed is being remembered by friends and family as a happy, helpful young woman. She loved sports and had close ties within the community. But on May 15th, the teen was found in a semi-conscious state. Her near-lifeless body located off this trail near the Trans-Canada Highway on the outskirts of Duncan. Seaweed was taken to hospital but did not survive. North Cowich and Duncan RCMP initially saying there was no criminality suspected in the case. When you find somebody that's almost dead and then dies and they're covered up with garbage, you know, that is suspicious. On Thursday, RCMP provided an update, this time saying seaweed was found under suspicious circumstances. From the onset, this investigation has been treated with extreme priority and concern. I just want to reassure the public that we are doing everything. But was reiterated when confronted by the community on the steps of the detachment. All people matter when it comes to situations like this. The investigation was never closed whatsoever. And so that was a miscommunication that I apologize for. I apologize to the family and the community. And we are doing everything that we can. But for those here, actions speak louder than words. They can apologize all they want, but they haven't made the community feel safer. I want what everybody else wants, justice. Chantal Moore. The fear is it's just a matter of time before there's another poster to put up. We're not going to go away. Kylie Stanton, Global News, Duncan. Saturday marks a somber anniversary, two years since the Tecumlips to Shwetmuk revealed the results of geotechnical surveys uncovering more than 200 suspected graves at the site of the former residential school on their land. As Julie Nolan reports, the revelation helped the country realize the truth behind a dark chapter in Canada's history. It was a, an important and key reminder about truth. Two years ago, it was the start of a seismic shift in public consciousness. It was sparked by the discovery at the former Kamloops Indian Residential School of more than 200 potential unmarked graves of Indigenous children. The media attention, the public attention and the survivors' stories that drew attention from Tecumlips to Shukretmuk and from each community that followed. Across the country, First Nations embarked on defining their own history and truth, such as the former St. Augustine's Residential School in Seashelt in April, oh, where 40 potential unmarked graves were discovered. Academics say it's not just about the Truth and Reconciliation Commission's final report from 2015, but also calls to action. There's that community response and survivor response, and then there's also been a broader public response. With so much more work to be done, the B.C. government says it will continue to support First Nations in the province. Whether that's for resources to uh, do searches, whether that's for resources to buy property where there are sites uh, or the sites of former residential schools to make sure that there's opportunity to protect and memorialize those sites. More pressure is being placed on the federal government and the Catholic Church to produce records of exactly who's buried. Along with that are the pleas for more compassion for the thousands of residential school survivors. Not just combating denial and not just combating racism and discrimination, but kind of taking a completely new way of talking about 
the entire narrative of colonialism and residential schools. That hope for a shift in dialogue and truth as Canada keeps on sorting through its dark past. Julie Nolan, Global News. And there is support for survivors. A 24-hour crisis line is available for anyone experiencing pain or distress as a result of their residential school experience. You can call toll-free and speak in confidence 1-800-721-0066. A Vancouver doctor has died while trying to climb Mount Everest. The UBC Department of Anesthesiology says Dr. Peter Swart was descending below Camp 4 due to a respiratory event when he died. Swart is being re remembered as a warm and caring physician, husband and parent of two grown children. The ongoing summit season on the world's tallest mountain has been deadly so far. Twelve climbers have lost their lives since April 12th. Global News has learned a Manitoba woman is facing four charges in connection with the death of a baby in New Westminster in 2021. The accused is 40 years old and in court documents is described as the baby's parent. As Kristen Robinson reports, neighbours in the apartment building where it happened are still shaken by the tragedy. It's really sad. It's really just tragic. Neighbors haunted by what happened in a suite in this New Westminster apartment building two years ago are stunned to learn a woman has been charged in the death of her baby. I feel like I'm going to be sick. It's just, it's horrible. It's very disturbing and I hope she gets the help she needs. Amanda Dugray's former neighbor, 40-year-old Karma Lee Dick, is accused of manslaughter, aggravated assault, assault with a weapon, and failing as a parent to provide the necessaries of life to an infant identified as KP. On July 24, 2021, New West Police responded to a call for an unresponsive one-year-old in the 1300 block of Fifth Avenue. It was the middle of the night and the ambulance came and she was screaming and they took her away and they were unable to help the child and then the coroner came. Due to suspicious circumstances around the death, the integrated homicide investigation team took over. It seems to suggest that there are wounds on the infant. The weapons charge seems to suggest that. The four offenses allegedly occurred over a 26-day period between June 29th and July 24th, 2021. Lawyer Ravi Hira says infant cases rely on autopsy reports to pin down the time of death. It's not unusual to see the Crown charge in a manner that allows for a larger period of time than the actual period of time when the event occurred because they don't know the actual period of time yet. Dick, who lists a Winnipeg address on court documents, was released from custody on 10 conditions, including not consuming drugs or alcohol and not possessing any weapons. She is due in New West Court June 7th after the Crown says she failed to appear earlier this month. He's uh, three months. Dugray, who now has a three-month-old son, wishes she could have done more before the tragedy. And I seen her in passing in the yard friendly and stuff and you don't want to think the worst of people but it just gives everyone the chills and it makes you know that if you see something you should say something and I wish I would have like called the ministry or, or done something. Kristen Robinson, Global News. 
A special prosecutor has been appointed to review the case of a new Westminster school trustee who's also a ministerial assistant in the Ministry of Labour. Gervin Dollywall was re-elected to the school board in October and now serves as the board's chair. But in the last election, there are allegations she also served as a scrutineer for a candidate for city council at an advance poll. That would be a violation of the Elections Act since candidates are not allowed at polling places except to vote. Premier David Eby will be taking off for Asia this weekend, where he's expected to make a number of stops in the name of BC trade and investment ties. Keith Baldry joins us with more on his trip. And Keith, there's a first here, the first time a sitting BC Premier has gone to Singapore. Yeah, yes, indeed. So trade missions to Asia, not unusual for BC premiers at all, although the last one was back in 2018 before the pandemic when John Horgan went to China and Japan. Uh, China not being visited th this time, which is notable. Again, BC premiers tend to go to China in the past. Singapore is new. The tour begins in Tokyo. Uh, he'll be meeting with uh, the governor of Tokyo and companies like Mitsubishi and such, uh, then headed to Seoul where he'll meet with the governor of one of the provinces there and with one of the uh, investment corporations there. But it ends in Singapore. Singapore. And this is unique. And the reason he's going to Singapore, he's going to meet with the State Investment Corporation, which invests heavily in housing. He draws a parallel today between what his government's doing and getting heavily involved in housing, the likes of which we've not seen before, and what Singapore is, is doing. He wants to see what's working and what's not. Here's the Premier. Their government uh, made the decision, uh, like our government is now, to be involved in ensuring there was housing for middle-income families in Singapore. For us in British Columbia, uh, we have some similar challenges, some very different challenges, uh, but I think that the uh, idea that government sees housing as essential infrastructure for economic success, sees housing for middle-income people as being essential to the growth uh, and prosperity of the whole society uh, is, uh, is very much in sync with, uh, with what we're uh, doing here in British Columbia, what we believe here in BC and the steps that we're taking. So the Premier will be holding a departure news conference at Vancouver Airport tomorrow at 1.45. We'll be carrying that live, I think, on BC1. Uh, he also is expected to announce, completely unrelated, the dates of the by-elections to fill the two vacancies in Langford, Juan de Fuca, the riding vacated by John Horgan, and Vancouver Mount Pleasant, the riding vacated by Melanie Mark. Uh, if we look at the usual rules, 28 days, which mean the by-elections would likely fall on June 24th. All right. We'll see what happens June 24th then. Thanks for that. All right. Keith Baldry in Victoria. Artificial intelligence seems to be everywhere these days, even if you're not aware of it. And some experts say that's part of the problem, the potential impact of AI and how politicians are trying to play catch up next on the news hour. In faster than exponential growth in terms of production. The rise of sober curiosity, how taking an alcohol holiday is gaining popularity, and new made-in-Canada products still to come tonight. Plus, the real-life cat burglar prowling the streets of Sapperton. That's coming up later on the News Hour. Right now, though, for years it was the stuff of science fiction, but now artificial intelligence is here. The rapid rise of chat GPT and other AI tools is causing shockwaves through the worlds of art, academia, medical research, and many other sectors, even the media. And now the BC Greens are calling for the creation of an all-party task force to better prepare for the impact of AI.
It's a game of catch-up against an opponent who never stops learning. What we are looking at when we talk about this is being proactive, looking ahead, being able to then prepare our economy, prepare our community. The BC Greens now calling on the government to establish a task force, helping MLAs better understand the impacts of artificial intelligence and the impact it will have on all aspects of life here. We need to have some common understanding around this so that when we're talking about it, we are working from a, a common base. This comes on the heels of BC's Privacy Commissioner joining in on a joint investigation into OpenAI, the company who makes ChatGPT. But it's not just a privacy issue. With fears, we're already too late. Uh, we're behind the eight ball in this one. We've We've let it go too long. The European Union is in the process of bringing in an AI act. The new laws based on assessing ways artificial intelligence creates both the greatest harm and highest risk. Predictive policing, for example, is one thing that the European Union is already banning, right? Um, facial recognition in public uh, is, is a problematic. And even though AI impacts everything politicians do here, from transportation to healthcare to education, Ultimately, it may be up to the federal government to put stronger regulations in place. It has a lot of promise. Uh, it has some potential uh, uh, challenges that we're going to have to overcome. The Premier's own Deputy Minister has already started work to prepare government for these technological developments to deal with disruption at a pace unlike any this province has ever seen. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. And a Leger poll from earlier this year found Canadians are still getting their heads around artificial intelligence and how to use it. Just 25% of Canadians say they have used an AI tool. 36% of those surveyed say AI tools are good for society. 25% say they're bad. 39% say they don't know. 75% believe AI lacks emotion or empathy required to make good decisions. 70% believe AI threatens human jobs. And 60% call the prospect of AI scary. Up next, a strange-looking fish inspires a two-decade-long movement. And it was this little ribbony fish, and we went, what's that? And we were all quite amazed. How the community came together to save Morrison Creek and its unique inhabitant. And later, connecting climate change and allergies, the impact of a warming planet on pollen. Well, there's a rare fish that exists only on Vancouver Island and nowhere else in the world. And a young girl's encounter with the endangered species 20 years ago helped inspire a years-long campaign to save its habitat, an effort that's finally at an end. Aaron MacArthur reports. It took nearly two decades, but the headwaters of this small stream in the Comox Valley will finally be protected. Morrison Creek now set to become BC's next regional park. I think everybody's excited about it because it always represents such diversity. This journey began in the mid-1990s. Jan Gemmel's family would often explore Morrison Creek, which backs onto her home. Jan's five-year-old daughter Carly spotted a weird-looking fish in the stream. Turns out Morrison Creek is home to a species of lamprey that exists nowhere else on earth. The family began to work to ensure this watershed could be preserved. So we just were involved with a lot of the other community groups like Project Watershed, the Land Trust, the Comox Valley Conservation Partnership. It's really kind of a community effort. The land was privately owned and set so close to the island highway there was always a danger of it being developed. 
the community began fundraising to buy the land. And despite coming up with a half a million dollars, it wasn't enough. We were tiny. We had a minimal budget. I was treasured. It was like, can we buy this? I think we were willing to be persistent to make sure that it did happen. But certainly the two uh, major factors at play were um, the leadership gift from Environment and Climate Change Canada, as well as the strong support from the BC Parks Foundation. In 2015, this land was designated as the highest priority for protection in the Comox Valley. But despite the influx of money, the project was still short of its goal. As part of the BC Parks Foundation 25 by 25 campaign, crowdfunding was used to get it over the line. It's, you know, your pensioner who says, I can give you $5 this month and 5 next month, to, you know, a very wealthy individual who says, you know, I really want to help out here. The goal in the Comox Valley is to keep protecting areas around Morrison Creek, this unique ecosystem, much more than just this one small watershed. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Environmental group Skeena Wild says it has obtained government documents that show the conservation status for huge tracts of land have been quietly removed. The documents were obtained through BC's Freedom of Information process. Skeena Wild says in 2019 and 2020, the BC government cancelled the conservation and recreation designation for more than 1.3 million acres in the northwest part of the province, an area nearly double the size of Metro Vancouver. A lot of the council parcels were around Smithers, Houston, Whitsett in the Bulkley Valley. Uh, and then there were several parcels south of Burns Lake in the Lakes District. There were a few parcels around Terrace and a few around Prince Rupert and then quite a few further north up towards Atlin. Skeena Wild is calling on the government to rescind the cancellations and protect the land. Coming up, lessons from a former pro-democracy prisoner. I think the first thing I, I want to share with a Canadian is that uh, freedom of speech is not free. How speaking out landed him in jail and his hopes for a new life here in Vancouver. Plus, life without liquor, the growing popularity of booze-free beverages helping to quench the thirst of the sober curious. A former radio host who was imprisoned in Hong Kong for nearly two years is finding a new home and community in Vancouver. Edmund Wan was a prominent advocate for Hong Kong's pro-democracy movement on the airwaves. But it's something he paid the price for. Paul Johnson has his story. I think, I think the first thing I, I want to share with a Canadian is that uh, freedom of speech is not free. Well, that might sound like a cliché coming from anyone else. Edmund Wan can speak from experience about the actual price of freedom. I was charged of uh, sedition. Gitz, as he's known to Hong Kong radio listeners, was a longtime political commentator who sympathized with the city's pro-democracy movement when it reached its turning point a few years ago. That earned him an early morning knock on the door by police and ultimately 21 months in prison. He was one of dozens swept up in the crackdown by pro-Beijing authorities. There are still many, many young people now jailed in the prison. Taking in the sights of his newly adopted city, Gitz is happy to be in a place where he feels safe. But that other city with mountains and ocean will always be home. Well, he hasn't lost hope he may return one day He's not optimistic. 
I think we will still have a, a long period of uh, facing the dark. We reached out to the Chinese consulate for reaction to Gitz's story, but couldn't connect with anyone there. Observing the culture wars and fight over free speech currently raging in Canada, Gitz has this observation, probably worth paying attention to. The story of Hong Kong tells you that the, any, any things can, can disappear immediately. Yeah, if you if if you don't tra if you don't treasure them. In Vancouver, Paul Johnson, Global News. Well, at the height of the pandemic, many people were drinking a lot. But more recently, there's been a growing movement away from alcohol, not necessarily giving it up altogether, but being more mindful about it. For some, it's about the health risks, and it turns out there are plenty of made-in-Canada options for the sober curious. This wine tasting in Vancouver is much like any other wine tasting, except there's no alcohol in these bottles. This should be more on the dry of the spectrum. Fiona Hefer is the founder of Sensorium, a BC-based online marketplace for non-alc beverages. We were the first in Canada to really get an alcohol-free wine tasting up and running. And judging by the crowd here, there's clearly a thirst for it. I just love the inclusivity and the lack of pressure to engage in an activity that is harmful to the body and mind. In Stats Canada, beer and wine sales are dropping, except for the alcohol-free versions, and many of them are made right here in B.C. In the Okanagan, Tyler Harleton used to run a successful winery until he stopped drinking and shut it down in 2019. As a person gets older and you look at your alcohol consumption and it starts to, you know, affect your sleep, I was probably thinking to myself, I'm getting out of making alcoholic wine, I'm going to go into non-alcoholic, into that world. He partnered with Chris Pagliocchini, also a veteran of the wine business, to create a Canadian first, a non-alc wine made from BC grapes. What began as an experiment in Tyler's kitchen has turned into something neither of them ever expected. What has the progress been like since you started? It's been faster than exponential growth in terms of production, and we find we still can't keep up with demand at this point. You've tried that before. Fiona Hefer and her customers will definitely drink to that. Just hold the alcohol. You could have a mindful relationship to alcohol that lets you have a drink once in a while, or you realize that you don't like it at all and you decide to leave it without having this rock bottom story. Zero proof drinks and booze free bars will meet more of the players behind the sober curiosity movement. Plus, I'll sample some of the new products out there. That's tomorrow on the new reality, 7 p.m. Allergies and asthma are on the rise, and climate change may be one of the reasons why. The president of the Canadian Association of Physicians for the Environment, Melissa Lem, says global warming is causing plants to release more pollen for a longer time than they have in previous decades. Dr. Lem adds more frequent fires and floods can also trigger allergies. The Vancouver doctor says over the last few years, more of her patients have told her they've developed allergies and respiratory flare-ups for the first time. Coming up, a porch pirate with a shoe addiction. Unfortunately, got seven shoes <laughs> in total. The case of the actual cat burglar of New Westminster, just ahead.
Plus, lace up your shoes. Everything you need to know ahead of tomorrow's Grouse Grind reopening. All your local news. All your breaking news. All the news you need. Get it at 6. Global News Hour at 6. Hikers looking for a steep challenge will be pleased to hear the Grouse Grind is reopening tomorrow. The 2.5-kilometer trail will be open from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. every day. Now, if you plan to tackle it, you are advised to wear appropriate footwear and clothing. And remember to take water and a cell phone. Dry conditions recently also mean the wildfire risk is high. And a reminder, smoking is not permitted on the trail. And any fires should be reported immediately to 911. At 5 o'clock, Christy Gordon said, we should do it again. <laughs> okay. It was so many years ago that we did it. I, don't need, I would almost venture to say 10 years ago. Is that possible, Sophie? Probably at least. You know who hasn't done it, though? Uh, I'm pretty sure Squire's never done it, and Chris Galis has never done it. Okay, Team Grouse Grind Hike this weekend. This weekend? (laughs) Hang on a second. (laughs) Beautiful beautiful (laughs) weekend for it, though. You need to train. Fair enough. You know what? Today was really hot, but Sophie, it's actually the temperatures are going to come down this weekend. So it'll actually be a great uh, weekend to be able to get out and get some exercise. We are 30 degrees away from the water or approaching that. And with the humid X values, certainly feeling like that away from the water across the south coast. Not as much humidity in the interior, but uh, areas like Lytton hit 31 degrees, Kamloops 28, although there are some reports that they hit 29 degrees. So certainly very hot. A few lightning strikes here and there, but we do have instability expected again tomorrow afternoon. So things are going to settle down and then pop up again through the afternoon hours. Weak front will bring a little bit of cloud cover to our region tomorrow morning. That will clear out quickly. And there's the risk of thunderstorms across the central and southern portions of our province for our Saturday afternoon. So eye on the sky, everyone, when thunder roars head indoors. There's your forecast for your Saturday. So another hot one for those of you in the interior region. So you're going to be in the high 20s once again in a lot of areas, uh, whereas the south coast will see a change in temperature. We're going to drop in temperature a little bit more tomorrow with a bit of cloud cover in the morning and then that will clear out. I am expecting a weak front to pass through on Sunday as well so that will bring a little bit of cloud cover to our region also but overall Sophie we have no rain in sight. Temperature is much more comfortable if you don't like the heat. I personally do but if you don't like the heat nice and comfortable through the weekend. Tonight's center windows weather window coming to you from Kitimat. Kelly Marsh sent us this and he does sensational photography and this is really beautiful that you can see the stars in the sky as well. So this is looking towards Kitimat from across the uh, channel there. All right, Sophie, back to you. So sparkly. All right, thank you very much, Christy. A four-legged thief is at large in New Westminster. Carol Eng's front porch camera captured this cat walking away from her Sapperton home with one of her shoes in its mouth. She says the shoes started disappearing from her porch about a week ago. The cat is now believed to have stolen seven of the shoes of Eng and her partner. Eng has put up flyers around the neighborhood in an effort to find the shoes and catch the feline culprit. My initial reaction was, oh my goodness, is that a cat or a raccoon? But it's definitely a cat. And I'm not a cat person, so it just feuds my anger a little bit more (laughs) with my love-hate relationship for them. I mean, it's not a big shocker that's an animal, so it's, it's okay. It's just a shoe. If you have any leads on where Carol's shoes might be, she's hoping you'll message her on Instagram at carolng52, all one word. 
All right. Well, on that. I don't know if this is relatable, uh-huh. but the other night I was on the internet and I saw this site run by a cat <laughs> and it was selling really cheap shoes. Really? Could be a coincidence. Well, if it bears any resemblance to the cat Carol caught on her porch camera. Yeah. But we'll- a lot of cats would look like that, so... That's I don't want to. I don't want to pass judgment just yet on that internet cat. But anyway, we'll get to the bottom of that. Yes, the uh, Vancouver Bandits uh, have blue blood basketball talent this year because they have DJ Stewart, who uh, spent time at Duke University. Just proving like others wrong, uh, like the, the non-believers and everything. Just going out there playing my game. Non-believers because he wasn't picked in the 2021 NBA draft. So be with the Bandits is part of his path to get the NBA's attention again. Also coming up tonight. I'm sure there was lots of mud. I shook off so much mud. Everybody's Friday favorite, singing animals. Squire has satellite debris still to come. Remember 1995? Like it was. Like it was 20-some odd years, years ago. ago. Yeah, exactly. Years 20 ago. was it 28? Yes, it is. Yeah. Wow, shocking. <laughs> doesn't seem like that long ago. Uh, no. No, it doesn't. But it's. Um, but there's something I, significant about it. Yes, <laughs> there is. There's probably more us. than one thing, but for this particular purpose, there's something significant about 1995. Uh, the Memorial Cup starts tonight in Kamloops. In fact, it's already started with the Blazers facing the Quebec Ramparts, who are the uh, representatives of the Quebec League. And they're the team run by Patrick Waugh. He's their coach. Uh, This is the first time the Blazers have been in the Memorial Cup since the aforementioned year of 1995. That was also a year where they hosted it. And they won that year with a roster that included Jerome McGinley, Shane Doan, Darcy Tucker, Nolan Baumgartner. Don Hay was the coach this year. This guy is leading the Kamloops Blazers, Logan Stankoven, who is from Kamloops. And the Blazers got off to a very good start against the Ramparts, but the first shot Quebec had went in the net. It's uh, Justin Robodog getting it across to James Malatesta. Kind of a two-on-none, but sort of a two-on-one, I guess, whatever the case. Quebec leads at one nothing in the first period. The Whitecaps are back to Major League Soccer play tomorrow when they uh, visit the expansion St. Louis City SC, who are off to a brilliant start in their first season. They have a couple of former Whitecaps, James Nerwin- or Jimmy, that Jake Nerwinski and uh, Tim Parker. The uh, Whitecaps are coming off that win Wednesday in Victoria against Pacific FC, but they have been nothing more than roadkill when playing MLS teams away from BC Place. They have not won a league game away from home in 11 months. It's time. We're doing, I would say, very good performance at home. Uh, we have a very good record at home. Uh, we need to do the next step in order to become, I would say, a clear, established playoff team is to do a little better way, and that is uh, a chance for us to start doing some win uh, uh, far from Vancouver. Yeah, it's overdue. The BC Lions are on the road tomorrow, a preseason game in Regina against the Rough Riders. And the first preseason games in the CFL are always the ones where you don't see the regular players. Uh, Starting quarterback Vernon Adams, he's going to go on the trip, but he's not going to play at all. Uh, Dominique Davis will be out there instead. He'll likely be the starting quarterback, but he's not going to play the whole game. 
Eventually, you'll see Dane Evans, who came over from Hamilton. He'll get some time as well. These two guys are basically battling for the backup quarterback job this year. The Vancouver Bandits will start their regular season tomorrow in Winnipeg. And one of their main guys this year will be DJ Stewart, someone whose resume has serious basketball pedigree. He did a year at Duke University. He's coming to Vancouver in hopes of reviving his NBA dream that looked very promising all the way back to his high school days. DJ Stewart was destined to make it big in basketball. He was a five-star recruit in high school in Chicago and was a freshman starter at Duke University, an NCAA superpower. Stewart put up fantastic numbers with the Blue Devils and felt he was ready for the big time. So at age 19, he made himself eligible for the 2021 NBA draft. One problem, his name was not called. Two years later, he finds himself in Canada hoping a summer with the Vancouver Bandits can get that NBA dream back on track. You have a year like he had in the ACC, those are actually NBA numbers, and, and so it didn't work out, but you know that path for everybody's different. There's hundreds of guys in the NBA. I mean, look at the Miami Heat right now, six, seven undrafted players, you know, you know, one game away from the NBA Finals. You know, the light at the end of the tunnel, I think he can see it a little bit, and I think we're part of that vehicle for him to get through that tunnel. I just proving myself and uh, just proving like others wrong, uh, like the, the non-believers and everything, just going out there, playing my game, and uh, just having fun and making sure that I'm winning games as well. Stewart's got the skill set. He's quick, he's athletic, he can drive the ball to the basket. But as a point guard, he also has to be a leader, and that will be a focus this summer in Vancouver. I talked to him about leading by example, you know, coming early every day, staying late every day. When older players see younger players really respect the game and respect the process, there's like a, an acceptance that occurs. And then on-court play, attitude, body language, you know, killer instinct, all those things. Stewart has played the last two seasons in the G League, which is one step below the NBA, and he's shown well, but there's still more work to do. He's hoping a dominant couple of months in Vancouver will lead to some opportunities in the NBA Summer League. Uh, I'm not sure where I'll be yet, but, you know, go to Summer League, dominate, and hopefully get a contract there. Uh, you know, I'm fighting for that contract so I can get my foot in the door and then just completely kick it down once I get my foot in the door and just enjoy uh, what I've been looking forward to. A handful of players from the CEBL have made it to NBA rosters. No one from the Bandits yet, but Stewart has a chance to be the first. Yeah, I think it's awesome for our fans, awesome for fans of the league, awesome for Canadian basketball and, and everybody in our organization. There you go. Well, thank you very much. Oh, you're quite welcome. It's great work, Squire. I didn't do that. That was Barry's job. Good work, Barry. Way to go, Barry. Well, Squire's job is not done because it's Friday, so we have satellite debris next. Excellent. All right, Jordan Armstrong is here with a look ahead to Friday night's Global News at 11. Jordan? TGIF. Thanks, Sophie. We are learning more about a shocking attack that started on board a Vancouver bus and ended with a man suffering a broken jaw and having his finger bitten off. At 11, what the victim is telling us tonight. Also tonight, the opening date for the Kitsilano pool has finally been revealed. We'll tell you when you can go for a dip. It would normally be open by now, but the park board had to do some repairs. Back at 11, hope you can join us. Sophie. All right, sounds good. Thank you very much, Jordan. Okay, as Jordan mentioned, TGIF, we made it. Yes. All of us. So, but, a, but a few weeks ago, yeah. our show, I don't think, got on the air because no. there was some sort of 
glitch or sunspot activity or alien attack. I can't remember which Maybe of all, it was. Maybe all three of those things happened. So, so people are starving for satellite yeah. Well, debris. this is why I'm going to show you the one I wanted to show you that day. So I'm going to show you it one more time. It has a Coke commercial in it. It has Slash from Guns N' Roses and then Slash again with Betty White, who, of course, has now passed on. Here we go. Coca-Cola. Oh, it's happy hour. <laughs> so, you want a free Coca-Cola, but you have to drink it here. With no fees or minimums and no overdraft fees, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. <laughs> Even easier than this. Oh, cool. Yep, even easier than that. With no fees or minimums and no overdraft fees, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? You can tell which one is male or female by the dark pads on their fingers. Really? That's cool. <laughs> Come see living amphibians, invertebrates, and reptiles alive in L.A. That's always good. Flash is funny. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, this one is um, how a uh, laundry mat uh, or a dry cleaner was able to benefit from a very tight parking spot. I guess they uh, better put up the for sale sign. Business is going to be a bit lower if people are driving those things. Okay, so last but not least, um, when Sophie's on the show, well, she's always on the show, but I, on Fridays, I like to put in anapomorphic animals. Thank you, Squire. Animals that talk or animals that sing. And in this case, the dog sings. The hell has all the money. Sure, there was lots of mud. I shook off so much mud. It was here, now it's gone. Every bit, every drop, every inch, where's all my mud gone? Flash! 
I mean, I'm get, I get why they use the woman at the end, but I think if the dog had just sang the whole song, I'd been much happier. What was the... <laughs> was it a chicken one where they were like... Oh, that's a Mercedes commercial, yeah, the chicken. They're holding the chicken. Yes, I can bring that. I can, I can show that one to you. The avocados. Any day. favorites you want? Any requests, Christy? Oh, mine requests. is always the old one, the burrito one. Remember oh, that one, Squire? Green burrito. <laughs> the green yes. burrito is my absolute favorite. Okay, well, we'll do a favorites day. I'll break that one out, too. <laughs> All right, Christy, is this the weekend for us to do a news hour grouse grind getaway? It is the weekend. Yes, let's kick off the season. All right, so we are going to see a little bit of cloud cover tomorrow, but it's going to be more comfortable. So highs ranging from 20 to 23 degrees both Saturday and Sunday. Enjoy, everyone. It's actually better when it's cooler, when it's a little overcast. Squire, are you in? I'll wait at the top for you guys to finish. I'll be there with drinks and blankets. Oh, that's nice of you. I'll take the tram up. Blankets. <laughs> Have a good weekend, everyone.